0: Astronomy Cast, episode 656 Smashing Asteroids for Science. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane, the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years. With me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing?
1: I am doing well. We have hit the month of October and all my Halloween decorations are going out and Jupiter is at opposition. And these things have nothing to do with each other, mm. but both bring me joy. Yeah. Have you seen Jupiter?
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. Hard to miss. We, uh, we got out the binoculars, uh, half the telescope The the seeing part, but not the holding part, which made the whole process (laughs) worthless. So I need to go and find a (laughs) tripod and get it all set up. But, um, but yeah, it looks amazing. It's just in the binoculars. Like there's the moons, bands across the planet. You can see it in the in just my astronomical binoculars. It's such a good time. And like this is the closest Jupiter has been in 60-ish years and the closest it's going to yeah. be for decades more. If you haven't already, now is the time. And it's going to be sl- this this closest event has already happened, but still it's a slow moving closest opposition so if you can beg boris deal some way to be able to see mm-hmm. jupiter with your own eyeballs and while you're at it saturn is also up in the sky so you can yes. see both of them it's a it's a good time to do some amateur astronomy
1: couldn't agree more and a good 300 millimeter camera lens was actually my friend on this endeavor mm. so uh yeah, yeah i went out with uh one of our community members and we got we got to see Galilei moons what more could a girl ask for
0: I'm going to follow my own advice very soon and buy a eight inch Dobsonian telescope. Oh yeah. 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 I just, just, you know, our skies are so much darker here. They've been clear, but then we've got the weirdest, clearest October I think I've ever experienced we were breaking temperature records and it's just been clear every day all night and perfect okay. for astronomy and so I think I'll, I will bring it to a close by buying a new telescope alright this week we saw the incredible image of DART smashing into asteroid Dimorphos now beyond avenging the dinosaurs what can we learn scientifically from this and other asteroid and compact impact missions alright uh, take that Asteroids, dinosaurs, we got your back. We we have avenged you. So did you watch the DART mission live in real time this last week? So I,
1: I have the greatest irony. Uh, the Planetary Science Institute where I work, we were producing a video with some of our scientists who are part of the DART mission. And instead of getting to watch the impact coverage live i was frantically video editing the release about how we successfully smacked an asteroid right and there's irony in this but i i watched it after the fact and it it was absolutely amazing
0: it's similar to you going and reporting on a solar eclipse and not being able to see a solar eclipse but anyway uh, now it was amazing Um, The footage from NASA started up about an hour before the actual impact, and it was just this little gray dot in the middle of the screen. And for the first 45 minutes, it never went beyond a little gray dot. And then suddenly it was a couple of pixels across, and then a few more pixels across. And then in the last five minutes or so, the, the asteroid got a lot bigger. And then in maybe like the last minute, the... The smaller asteroid separated from the bigger one, you realized you were going going right towards the small one. And then the big one drifted past the field of view. And then Dimorphos just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it filled the screen. And then you got one last frame that was like a little... Ribbon of Just asteroid straight. at the top and then a red stripe down below and you knew that was loss of signal. You could see exactly where yeah. it was no longer able to transmit. And I think what made this mission different from other missions that we've seen in the past was this, it really felt like we were experiencing this one in real time. I mean, it was a 45 second delay, which is not long, no. but you saw the images stream in at what felt like video rate, which Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever seen this before. And this is like NASA, this is all everybody has ever wanted.
1: Yes. And you delivered it.
0: So, so this, but more (laughs) again, (laughs) keep doing this. I'm like, I get it. It's hard to transmit a, from far away and it takes a big receiver and there's science to be done and so on. But still you nailed it literally and, and figuratively.
1: What I really enjoyed was that they carried a CubeSat with them, and they like dropped the CubeSat, which popped out and unfurled, and then the CubeSat was there to to photograph everything that was happening, but because the CubeSat is so tiny, it's like the worst 1980s dial-up ever experienced. And so all those images that that wonderful little CubeSat took are going to take days, weeks, and months yeah. to get back to us. Um, and then we have Hera getting there in 2024, which I think all of us are excited about.
0: So, But the purpose of this episode is the value in smashing asteroids for science. So, And it's not just asteroids. And comets, yeah, and moons yes. and the moon and all kinds of things. So do you want to start most recently should we start back at the beginning when has humanity intentionally first tried to smash a solar system object for science
1: well the the first time it was done on purpose mm-hmm. and and the on purpose is very important that was that was with deep impact and and deep impact had a number of different goals. It was set out to help us understand the structure of comets, the composition of comets, and to smack the bejesus out of one particular comet so that we could differentiate between what are the surface materials and what are the things that may be buried down deeper that uh, we can only see if, if we dredge with our spacecraft.
0: Right. Yeah. And so how did the the mission work?
1: So uh, Deep Impact carried with it basically a refrigerator-sized impactor that it placed in front of the comet and the comet smacked into it. Uh, so, so NASA uh, folks, a few of them really like to correct people and say we did not attack the asteroid, we simply stood in its path and it attacked us. Right. Um, and I, I love that little fact. And and so with the refrigerator-sized impactor set loose, the main body of Deep Impact, which has now gone on to be called Epoxy, um it, it collided with Comet P-Temple 1 on July 1st, 2005, and um, sorry, there, it rendezvoused uh, on July 1st. Uh, I have to get this right because it got your Independence Day with the day that it rendezvoused, and it got my Independence Day, July 4th, with the actual impact, right. thus maximizing the number of holidays destroyed. Oof.
0: Yeah, impacting the astronomy cast team. Yeah, yeah. Yes. My holiday, then your holiday. Um, now, what did they learn?
1: Well, they were primarily looking to see what is the composition of a comet nucleus, and what they found is there's clays, there's carbonates, there's silicates—the stuff of sand—but it was more the consistency of talcum powder, hmm. and and there were crystalline silicates found as well, and. All of this added up to say comets carried to Earth not just water, and that one gets trickstery because the kinds of water atomic ratios they found don't match our planet particularly well. But they found all these other atoms that helped enrich the environment of our world back during the age of, well, a whole lot more comet bombardments than we're experiencing today.
0: So, what came after Deep Impact?
1: As near as I can tell, the the next big thing was L Cross in 2009. And the reason I phrase it that way is there were so many things that either didn't mean to reach out and touch an object with violence <laughs> right. or touched something very gently. The near Shoemaker mission back in 2001, even before Deep Impact, demonstrated that we have the capacity to control the spacecraft so that it will touch down lightly on an object uh, within a one-meter region of what it's hoping to. Uh, in this case, it's the asteroid Eros, and uh, they just settled down and sat there for a while. Uh, they landed on February 12, 2001, and um, we remained in contact with the spacecraft until February 28th.
0: It, yeah, it, it had no landing system. It was never intended no. to land. They just were able to slowly decelerate it until it just gently sat okay. on the surface and, I don't know, rolled over or something. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> it, they were able to continue. anticipated that it rolled over a bit.
0: Yeah, they were able to um, communicate with it. And of course, I mean, there were all of the spent upper stage boosters for the Apollo mission. There, were, there yes. were all of the times that the Soviets attempted to land on Mars, other moon missions. Like there are craters across the solar system that are left by unintentional spacecraft failures.
1: But and and it's not just the moon, Mars. The Beagle crash site has actually been useful in, yeah. okay, this is what a fresh crater looks like. Yeah. Chiaparelli
0: um, as well. Yes. ESA's, ESA's and, mission. Like there's, there's, there's a bunch of these.
1: Landing on Mars is hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. But crashing fuel stages into the moon is is something we have have Sort of, kind of, continued to do on purpose. Uh, The Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter mission did not fly alone. It was part of a two mission launch, and on October 9th, 2009, its companion, LCROSS, followed their second stage empty fuel tank. To the moon, where the tank hit first and LCROSS sent back information, sent back information, sent back, died information. Um, And this was when we, for the first time, got to see just how much water Mm -hmm. is out there underneath the surface of the moon. The the surface of the moon can only have water in the eternally shadowed regions and places that are completely shadowed we can't exactly see. So with cross, it hit and it splashed out a plume of material that wasn't what we had hoped for. It turned out our models of the moon weren't quite what... Was ex- they weren't as accurate as one would hope, but there was nonetheless enough of a plume that we were able to to measure water ice that was liberated from the surface of the moon during this impact event.
0: That's really cool. All right, we've talked about deep impact. We've talked about El Cross. Are there any any others beyond so Dart?
1: There have been a whole series of things that were sent down onto small bodies, minor planets, with the purpose of just bouncing around. Some of them bounced in ways they did not intend. My my favorite of these is the poor little feely lander mm. that traveled with Rosetta. And it was in storage for so long. It traveled so far. And then it just didn't quite do its job because it was meant to harpoon the asteroid and attach itself to the surface that way. And it's harpoon just didn't quite fire correctly. So there, there, there was an accidental impact.
0: Yeah. The thinking is, is that it, it landed, bounced a couple of times, yeah. came to rest, fell over, but was operational. And then it, yes. ran, and then its batteries ran out. And then that was that.
1: Now, in, in addition to to the international mission that was Rosetta and Philae, uh, JAXA, with their Hayabusa mission, has been doing some of my absolute favorite let's fling everything we possibly can, including anti-tank weapons that have been repurposed at the surface of an object. And it all started with Hayabusa 1 at Itakawa, an asteroid that led us to believe that not the entire solar system is made of rubble piles. And, uh, when, when Hayabusa one got to Itakawa, it was carrying with it the first of the Minerva series of missions. And these, uh, are little s- flywheel having robots. they their cylinders. And the idea is that they bounce around looking in high detail, mm. At, at different places on the surface. And they tested all of this out with Hayabusa One. Hayabusa One went and stole a piece of Itakawa. It tried twice. It didn't get as much as it wanted. But it demonstrated that all of this is possible and set things up for the more ominous Hayabusa 2 mission.
0: Right. Anti-tank weapon armed yeah. Hayabusa 2.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they referred to it as a small carry-on impactor. Um, we all know that the reality is it was basically an anti-tank weapon flung at an asteroid instead of at a tank, which I approve of, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and on April 5th, 2019, it, it, it attacked. And the idea was the exact same thing that we did with L-Cross, that we did with uh, the original part of Deep Impact. It released materials so that we could see what is beneath the surface. And Hayabusa two was at the rubble pile asteroid Ryugu, and it got a got. To allow us to see how craters form within the rubble pile structure. Um, in addition to that, they had a whole series of um, little flitting, flying.
0: hopping, jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There, there was a whole series of different things they did, including, again, reaching down, touching down to the surface of the asteroid grabbing a sample, which has made it back successfully to Earth. This mission was remarkably successful in everything it did. Um, and from there, I mean, we also had our own little favorite OSIRIS-REx mission that on October 20th, 2020, during a pandemic, managed to pull off a beautifully successful um Smash and grab of asteroid samples. That was a
0: very gentle impact. No, in terms of uh, uh, compared to DART and others, this is true. Yeah,
1: but they still like shoved the spacecraft like, craft like thirty centimeters into the
0: asteroid. Yeah, apparently, if it didn't, if it hadn't fired its retro rockets, it would have sunk into the rubble. Pile, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about DART. Uh, What was the purpose of the DART mission?
1: To see if we can move an asteroid sufficiently that we can see a change in its orbit around its parent body. In this case, the parent body isn't the sun. In this case, we have a Didymus with Dimorphus going around and around. And Depending on how the impact took place, uh, different amounts of momentum would get transferred. The pretty much worst case would be if uh, Dimorphus was hanging out and the spacecraft plowed in and had a fully inelastic collision and became one with Dimorphus. The best possible situation is one where the spacecraft. Hits the surface of dimorphus and flings out a vast amount of debris carving out a crater and also itself elastically bouncing off. In the case of a fully elastic, with shrapnel joining it, uh, in that case you get the greatest transfer of momentum to the main object. And we're still waiting for NASA Mm -hmm. to release the details on exactly what happened. We know that there was that plume. We don't know if the spacecraft stuck, bounced, or
0: anything else. So, I mean, at this point, it's just like, no matter what happened, the change in the orbit for Dimorphus is going to be so tiny that it won't be visible until several weeks or even months of constant observation to detect the slightest difference in the orbital trajectory of Dimorphus And we're not there yet. So right now we don't know how much of a change that it made, but what does that tell us? I mean, if we see a big change, if we see a small change, if we see no change, what, what does that tell us about this goal of potentially being able to protect earth from asteroids in the future?
1: If we see no change, it means that momentum transfer failed and physics is broken. So I'm pretty sure we're going
0: to see some sort of a change. Well, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, that it could punch right through and, yeah, and, yeah. Right, and not change the, the physics. And maybe it's still out there. but
1: But the plume that came off, the amazing thing about it is if you have a body and part of it flies away. There's going to be, for all of the momentum that goes away in one direction, it's going to have the same amount of momentum transferred to the parent body that's moving forward. So because we saw a plume, we have to see a change in orbit
0: Hmm.
1: within error bars. Right. Um, and, And so we can fully expect to see something. We just don't know, did its orbit around... Did he must change enough that it's like super easy to see? Or is it something that's really hard to see? Ideally, we want to see the change over three different orbits. But because of where the asteroid is positioned, there's large sections of ocean that make it challenging to get 24-hour coverage. This is a target that is good to see from the southern hemisphere. Uh, okay, to see from the northern hemisphere, but it's pretty low down right now. Um,
0: so we really might yeah. have to wait for the Hera mission to the follow-on Hera mission. We
1: should emission. know
0: before then, right? We should but know before then. It'll do the really precise analysis of the yes. orbit and the consistency, and look at the impact crater and and all of that. Um, but but I guess can we learn about this co- this asteroid asteroids in general? like are they balls of rubble the way Osiris <laughs> you know the the way Bennu yeah, and yeah. Ryugu looked or are they a chunk of rock surrounded by a thin veil of rubble would will the different yeah. outcomes of the orbit tell us which of those models is more correct
1: <sighs> it should help um the, the only way to get at what is the structure all the way through is to measure the moment of inertia of, of that moon. And this is where Hera is going to be able to probably do better observations than we're currently doing with the Lycia Cube, CubeSat, mm-hmm. and definitely what we're doing here from the surface of the planet Earth. That moment of inertia will tell us... Is it the same density all the way through? Is it different densities going through? And what is that difference? It's the the difference between spinning a raw uh, egg, a hard boiled egg, and a soft boiled egg. All three of them will spin differently because of their
0: moment of inertia. I like that analogy. You're it, totally the
1: yeah yeah. When you I mean, how spin do you spin those check three? if you actually hard boiled your egg? You spin it. You
0: spin it. Yeah, and. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that. Thank you. You're uh, welcome to. Um, right on. So are there any more comet impacting missions planned for the future? Or asteroid There impacts? are
1: always people with plans. Mm. There are not currently any, we are going to go out and smack something missions <sighs> that are in the near future, fully funded, and we can count on to actually do their job. Um but right now, it's really cool to get to see the, the Deep Impact mission has been uh, repurposed to become the Epoxy mission, which is out there visiting other objects. Um, we're all waiting to see just what does Osiris-Rex in its new phase do when it gets to Anubis. That is an amazing object. Um, and yeah it sure looks like Dart discovered another rubble pile out there. Yeah. So, so so the Lucy mission is is hopefully going to show us other examples of asteroids that hopefully aren't rubble piles. I, I look forward to seeing more Itakawas slightly yeah. rubbly cashews. We need more of those in our lives.
0: Yeah, yeah we need to go to all we need to go to all the asteroids and smash yeah. a bunch of them and find out what they're made of. All right, thank you, Pamela.
1: Thank you, Fraser. And thank you so much to all of our patrons out there who are supporting us through patreon.com. Uh, if you would like to join that community, go to patreon.com slash astronomycast. Each week I read out uh, some of our patrons, and this week I would like to specifically thank Astro Sets, Stephen Veidt, Bury Gowan, Jordan Young, Kevin Lyle, Jeanette Wink, Nanoflips, Boy Andre Leisvall, J.F. Rajot. Andrew Palestra, Brian Cagle, Venkatesh, Chari, David Troge, The Giant Nothing, Aurora Leiper, David, Gerhard Schreitzer, I'm going to go with that, uh, Will Hamilton, Buzz Parsec, Keke Sarif, Laura Kettleson, Robert Palazma, Les Howard, Jack Mudge, Gordon Dewis, Joe Holstein, Adam Anise Brown, Frank Tippin, and Richard Drum. Thank you all so much for everything you do.
0: Thanks, everyone. And we will see you all next week.
1: <laughs> Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. AstronomyCast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Cain and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast.
0: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE.